This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 680 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. On today's episode, we will continue our discussion with Felicitas von Neumann-Cosell on contact. And then we will have a great interview with author Daniel Stewart, who provides his own trainer tip this week. Reese Coppler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. How are you today? Hey, Reese. Um, you know, I had a bit of a well duh moment earlier today. I had a, uh, I, yeah, we already talked about this, but I had a dentist appointment booked for earlier today. Uh, I needed a filling done. So, oh. yeah. <laughs> But I didn't really, you know, I didn't really think about it. I'm like, oh, you know, then I've got to record a podcast after <laughs> getting a filling. And, you know, and we've and done I... for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Um, so every time everybody, Phil, makes a funny noise, it's really hard for me not to snicker. Let's just be real. Yeah, <laughs> this is real yeah. life here at the Dressage Radio Show. So, yeah, my tongue ended up being a little bit thick and well, kind of <laughs> numb. You know what that feels like. So, um. You know, if I if I'm talking with a little bit of a lisp, or you know, everybody can laugh with me. That's right. <laughs> you probably hear me snicker a little bit because it's really been hard all night to not snicker because it's funny. <laughs> there you go. And, but we've had a great night of uh, of uh, recording. So we've actually been really busy, even with Phil's tongue, which of course I've had to mute myself several times. <laughs> but how besides besides your unfortunate timing on the dentist appointment, how's your week been? Yeah, yeah, really, really, really good. Um, you know, we're in dog days of summer, I think, as they call it, and uh, horses going good. We're gearing up for another competition, so hopefully uh, I won't get COVID again, and yeah. uh, we can go, we can oh. show the horses, and we're yeah. going to have success and, and all that great really stuff. Great. So, you know, you can check out my Facebook, see if I can grab some shots and and yes! stuff about the, the goings on, and, uh, and, and what's, finally- what's going on with you? Yeah, I'm just going to say, I finally got you to get professional photos at every show. I'm very proud of, of this <laughs> I feel like I've achieved something. I kept saying everybody, like, Phil, you need extra, you, you have some, such great horses. They're beautifully trained. They're beautifully turned out. Please get some professional pictures. So it's been, you know, I've been on. Yeah, and well, you have been. Earlier great. this year, like the June show, there there, was, there wasn't a photographer. What? At, um, or, you know, whatever. So I, I actually, I couldn't. Yeah. Yeah, there you couldn't. You go. Well, yeah. and, and I'm, I, you know, hot take because my best friend, actually, I don't know if I've ever said this on the podcast, but um, is a, a photographer for Saddlebreds. So, you know, I know, you know, you don't think about how actually everybody that comes to the show is like, that's her living. That's what she does. So I have a soft spot in my heart for, for photographers um, because I know what a lifestyle it is and it's really difficult, but there's nothing like getting some pictures because, you know, like we always need them. We use them on the podcast. We use them on our social media, all that, all that stuff. But, you know, it's really fun to get photos of horses throughout their career. And, um, so I, I, I do try to get one every horse show. I can't always buy a lot, but I try to buy a little bit and, and we have a wonderful photographer here and she always gets great candids and it's, it's really fun. So, um, 
I do think it's really important. So I love it. Yeah. You have a horse show. We took little baby Neo jet did an amazing job with little baby Neo. We went to, and this is really cool to see, you know, again, living in Lexington, we have such a great schooling show program. And I mean, this schooling show had 240 <laughs> like entries, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, it was, it was a dress up show in a, in a combined test. Cause we have a great little park here. Actually, it's a pretty big park. It's owned by the city, but you can it's called Masterson Station Park and you can go ride there and they have good footing and good rings and, and safe jumping. There's always a jump course set up out there. Uh, so it's really cool. So uh, we took little baby Neo and it was like a real show. And I mean, he was great. There was some Western dressage going on. There was some jumping, like there was a lot going on and he was really good. And I'm really glad that we went and uh, to support it, number one, but it was cool to see you know, what we would consider kind of a little show. I, I would consider that much more like how Europe is where you show, you know, how you haul in, you, you show out of your trailer. Uh, so it was cool. It was really fun. I was really proud. She, she had a 76. I was pretty proud from a recognized, like a real judge. So uh, I was really happy and really pleased with her. So it was a fun day. Uh, but again, just, just great to kind of support the local scene. Um, but like I said, it was it was a, it was bigger than some recognized shows, and I, I think that's going to happen a little bit more this this fall with the economy and that kind of stuff, and people getting youngsters out. So it was a fun fun weekend of training, and my other horses have been training well. It's just again same thing. It's been really busy, and I I, I really do feel like I need to mention Eastern Kentucky had some very bad floods this week. It's it's far actually. It's about two hours from my house. Uh, but if anybody's interested, uh, the Kentucky Horse Council is taking donations, it, financial, also they're taking some equipment. It depends on what you have and where you're located. Uh, but if anybody's interested, I had some people reach out. Uh, that's a great resource. And that's the KentuckyHorseCouncil.org. Um, if you're interested in helping that area, it's it's really sad. And, and we actually, we're recording uh, on a Thursday evening. It's It's raining again. So we're getting a lot of rain right now. So it's not letting up for that for that area. So uh, if you're interested, please reach out and help, or you're welcome to reach out to me, Reese at horseradionetwork.com, and, and I'll help in any way that I can facilitate that. But we do have, on an, another note, a great show for you guys. We're going to get started right after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Electrolytes. Who needs them? Your horse, that's who. Electrolytes perform critical functions within your horse's body. They help regulate nerve and muscle functions by carrying electrical impulses between cells. In addition, electrolytes assist the body in maintaining a healthy fluid balance by controlling your horse's desire to drink. When your horse loses significant amounts of electrolytes and fluids, problems such as dehydration, muscle cramping, fatigue, tying up, and colic may occur. Even in mild forms, these conditions can have a negative impact on your horse's ability to perform and recover after exercise. Top riders and veterinarians turn to Summer Games Electrolyte to keep their horse healthy in hot weather, and you can too. Summer Games replenishes the electrolytes and trace minerals lost when your horse sweats, and it stimulates the thirst response so your horse continues to drink and stay properly hydrated. So when the going gets hot, trust Summer Games Electrolyte from Kentucky Performance Products to protect your horse. 
This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Well, for tonight's show, we are so excited to have back for round two, Felicitas von Neumann-Cassell. We're going to talk tonight about connection. We talked about the horse. This week, we're talking about the rider. So, Felicitas, welcome back. Thanks for coming back on. My pleasure. Okay, so today we want to tackle what the rider should feel, and that's what everybody really wanted to hear. And that's obviously one of the hardest answers that we can have. And if you listened to what we talked about last time, I think one of the things is clear is that your hands are really more there to support the bit in the sense of that it can be stable and in the right place in the horse's mouth and that the movement can go from back to front through that connection. But now, of course, here it comes, how do we do this? And I think I think what people most of all want to know how much do I feel in my hands or or, or, or how much pressure or not how much pressure. Yeah, I mean, and that's such a common I, question for anyone who's taught dressage at all. You know, yeah. yeah. So so give us your take on it, yeah. this because I know what I say so, all so, the time. So this is... This is my take, and I have to say, um, every horse is a little different in the contact, so there already are too many variables that we could make it uh, something that scientifically we can say that much pressure or this much pressure is the right amount of pressure. But what I would invite our listeners to do is take a bit and like a snaffle, you know, snaffle bit, lay it on the table. And then take your ring fingers and just pick up the bit ring itself. Because imagine the horse's, the bit lays in the horse's mouth. The horse really carries the bit, not spitting it out, can't, um, because it's obviously connected to the head stall. So really, what I would love to feel on every horse is that I feel the weight of the bit ring on both sides. And... What I want to feel is that I can have a tiny little adjustment. If I close that ring finger a little, I could, and you can play with that when you put that bit on the on the table. You can just pick one side of the bit up a little and then let it very gently come back down. And you start to realize with how little bit of movement of your ring finger, you can move that bit and how little weight there actually has to be in there. And so in your hand, like there's not that much pressure, but there has to be that stability because you can also open your fingers. Like a lot of people have trouble that their hands open up too quickly or too much. And then you can feel how the bit kind of falls back onto the table, kind of crashing down. So it's that idea, a little bit of a floating kind of feeling that for me is the ideal. And I would really like this type of contact at most times. And of course, you know, in retraining projects, that's not always possible. But so now for our listener, getting a little that idea, now you imagine when you have the the bit rings in your ring fingers now, if you now would have the rein attached and then you're on the end of the rein, that's basically you are connected to each bit ring on each side. And it matters what your hands are doing and what they're doing in conjunction with each other so that you really have that feeling that you're aware of both sides. So that's kind of the beginning of the awareness. 
And then I think we have to a little bit talk about technically the hand. We have we have two variables. I mean, if I want to be you know um, thinking about it, is one is a person who makes the hand so tight that the wrist gets tight and the whole arm gets rigid. And then you have the people that open their fingers constantly and the reins slide out and the horse cannot connect because there's no stability on that side. And so I feel like uh, this is something I, I learned a lot of these little things from my uh, cousin, Susanna Sandeetsu, who's really, a, you know, fantastic about, you know, rider's position and mechanics of the uh, rider. And what she described is if you make a fist, you kind of start with your, if you're right now listening, make a fist and you feel like your little finger closes down first and everything gets tight. And so what she recommended, if you're that tight, feel the rein just between your thumb and your index finger. And if you take your thumb and you kink it a little, like a little rooftop, then the pressure of the thumb on top of that index finger can literally keep the rain from slipping. Right there is where I keep the length of rain. I do not let it slip through the top part of my hand. And now, when you have those two fingers stable, you can close the middle finger, then the little ring finger, and then the little finger. So you can close your hand one finger at a time. And now the hand is closed, but it's not that tight fist that people make. And I mean, we all know here's uh, Sally Swift cradle the bird. Um, I guess Nino Rivera said the wrist has to be as soft as you're going to eat your cereal or your soup. I mean, we're all trying to come up with ways of explaining that. But I, I felt like the idea of, you know, closing your fist one finger at a time is really helpful. And on the other hand, when you're hands open all the time, this is something sister told me, which I really appreciated, is that when, you're, when your fingers are open, you don't have the same flexibility in your elbow. So when your hand is gently closed, you have much more movement in your elbow. I found that super interesting for myself because my left hand wants to open up and I played with it. And so then when I focused actually in opposite, a little bit on my little finger on that fist that wanted to open up all the time, I was able to keep it closed without too much tension. But I think that is important. And what we're, I mean, I'm not, I try to be as ambidextrous as I can be, but we all, you know, struggle that both of our sides are not even. But I get that even feeling in both hands, I think, is really important before you can give that horse a steady and soft connection. And again, that is also something that my cousin said really liked that. It's not you are taking a connection, you're giving a connection. So that means your hands have that forward tendency. Right now, people talk about pushing the shopping cart or, you know, whatever, you know, other images we have that kind of show you that there has to be that forward tendency in your hand. What I like to ask people when they train with me or ride with me for the first time, I ask them, for example, what other sports they do. And I found that people who, who ski, um, A, they're really you know aware of the lower body and they can absorb the shock in their legs, which is super helpful for riding. They steer from their core, super helpful for riding. So good skiers 
if they can uh, take that image, it can help them go riding greatly. But the ski poles, it's kind of the same thing. The ski pole floats kind of in your hand. You don't hold it tight, but you have to carry it and support it. And it's that idea that we have to more think of our arms framing us and we're carrying our hands and a little bit like, you know, pushing our hands forward to give the horse the contact rather than the, the hands, they are not independent from our body. They're independent that they can feel, but our arms are actually framing our core and that helps us to keep our core forward and balanced. And that helps to keep the hand quiet without getting rigid. And so I think that I really try to show my students that they can, you know, feel like if they have, for example, done ballroom dancing can be super helpful, that they have that feeling that they're framing themselves with their arms. The upper arms are gently turned outward and the shoulder blades are down. Then the upper arms are kind of supporting on the rib cage, and they can make sure that their rib cage goes forward as the horse goes forward, so their upper body stays over the pelvis, so every, the alignment stays, and then the hand can stay stable. I really like that point about ballroom dancing because it's the same thing. You've got you've got a partner, you know. So I, I've done a little bit just in, as a preparation for our wedding, and then we you know we did a yeah. a, a dance at the wedding. But me being the guy. I have to lead yeah. my partner. So, you know, it's, it's very yeah. subtle, but, but you, you know, like when you want your, when you want your partner to go back, you have to very, you know, very lightly with your whole body, but also, you know, with your, with your hands and your arms, just send them back or take them with you forward. And it's not that you're exactly. pulling and pushing you're, you're, you know, you're responsible for your own balance but you're also trying to send signals to the horse, you know, and, and in this way, the rain is, is, you know, is your hands connected to the horse. But when you want to go forward, you got to, you know, not drop them, you but like, go forward. Exactly. you know, yeah. let them go forward. And when you want to come back again, you're not, you know, yanking and pulling, but you're, you know, like you use this subtle thing that everything's everything from, from rider body yeah. is connected softly yeah. so that, you know, everything is saying the same thing. Like you cannot, you know, pull yeah. your partner into you, but not move, you know, from your core. Like exactly. Because exactly. you're just going to bang together. Exactly. And, 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 and if, and if I just drop the connection to, to my dance partner, throw them away. And then now all of yeah. a sudden there's a, a huge, yeah. a huge gap between the, the, you know, the partners and then they're both going to, yep. you know, kind of fall and stumble and, and whatever. So I, I, was just gonna... no, it's, 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 I think it's really, and you find when you, when you get people that are body aware and they have done anything like that, and you can link that feeling to it, it can make a huge difference just within, you know, a very short period of time because they can think about it differently, you know. So I think that that's one of the things that learning how to to keep your frame and realizing how much how much movement there is and you have to go with the movement and you have to create movement and you have to then redirect movement but that's all related to the core and the arms are part of that and then you know little directional aids of the hand which can get a lot more sophisticated of trying to figure out lateral flexion and this kind of thing but once then we already know contact when we talk about that, when we get to those details. It's like finding the first feeling of how do I carry my arms? I think one of another thing that I wanted to describe 
is that people have a hard time figuring out how much they have to give in the elbow or or not, particularly in the rising trot. So, you know, that going up and down, you know, how do we go up and down, but the hand doesn't go up and down. So sometimes what I like to do is I, I take people and I, I take them off the horse and I make them stand at a wall and I kind of have them hold their hands like they would ride and then have them gently push into the wall. And then I make them just a little bit jump up and down like they're on a trampoline. And then they start to get that sense that when they push against the wall, they can stabilize their hands and the hands are in the same place, but they can go up and down so that they start to feel that opening and closing of the elbow becomes, it has to be natural. You can't think about it because then you would have to try to figure out how much do I open and close it. It just has to, you know, kind of happen uh, to absorb the movement and to be able to stay stable. So I think that has been a helpful tool that I showed, you know, my students. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one because uh, yeah, obviously, you know, rising trot is just, is just going to throw everything out of whack. And, and yeah, you know, people are focusing on keeping their hands still and, and, and all those things. And kind of can sometimes go a little bit wrong. So another another nice little tool, again, my cousin played with that and I like that. That goes back to what I was talking about in the beginning, thinking about the bit being connected to the reins. She actually just took a bit connected to the reins and made people kind of hold it again on the ground and then start trotting and cantering, and particularly in the canter, don't have it go flopping up and down because when you make people canter on the ground and you make them try to stabilize their hands, it's amazing where the hands all go. Hmm. Just because the lower body is cantering, their their arms go all over the place. So cantering and kind of basically carrying a tray or holding those reins and not letting the bit bounce up and down gives you a good appreciation for how much your elbows have to be able to give. Those are, those are great tips, great tools. And, uh, I wanted to thank you so much for coming on to our show and, uh, you know, giving, giving us, uh, lots to think about and, and lots to strive for as we go and, and, uh, you know, go out and try and perfect this, this sport and, and this, you know, yeah, horse dancing, yeah. having such a big partner yeah. to try to balance rider and horse. Yeah. Well, and when it, when it, when it's right, it gets so beautiful and it's so much fun and the horses are so appreciative and it's just a, a real thrill. So if, if if any of this was helpful for someone, oh, yeah. that's wonderful. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Felicitas, thank you so much for coming back on the show. How can our listeners My find you online? Go find me on Facebook. I have a professional um, page on Facebook and all of my clinics and, and symposiums are posted on there. And uh, otherwise, you can find me at First Choice Farm, 301-854-6541. We also have a website, so you can reach me if you want me. Fantastic. Thank you so much. The podcast is North America's most listened to horse show inspired podcast with over 200 episodes hosted by me, Piper Clem, publisher of the Plat Horse magazine. Listen in to hear guests, which include Olympic equestrians, top hunter jumper and equitation riders, trainers, vets, farriers, horse show managers, and industry insiders discussing topics that matter. Horsemanship, collegiate riding, the state of our sport, and horse show how-tos for riders at every level. One episode each month is devoted to the mental side of your ride with nationally recognized mental skills coach and author Tanya Johnson. You will also hear insider stories about how the Plaid Horse Magazine comes together every month.
Well, tonight, it's really an honor because we've already had a blast talking with our author of our book club, Bolder, Braver, Brighter, Daniel Stewart. He's an international coach, sports psychologist. He's amazing. I've seen him in person a few times. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, we really, we really were chatting so much. We're like, we got to stop and actually record something. So tell us a little <laughs> bit about yourself and how you started with horses and, and created such an amazing career. Oh, so that's, that's, that's brilliant. Let me start, let, let me set the bar really low. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, <laughs> so many people start because mom was a rider or, or dad was a rider. They grew up in a, in a, in a family that was, that was made up of riders, but um, but actually I, 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 when I was 13, I had a, I had a girlfriend and I figured out really quickly, if I wanted to hang out with her, I needed to, I needed to spend the time at the barn because her parents owned a hunter jumper barn. And, um, and it was interesting. The more I hung out at the barn, the more girls I found. And I figured I, I found my place in life. This is what I'm going <laughs> to We told my brother the same thing, by the way. He, he did all right. He married a horse girl, too. He was smart like you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's underwhelming or, or, um, or just completely uh, irresponsible and uncomfortable. But, but I, 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 I sort of stumbled into the equestrian world um, by mistake. But it didn't take me long before I, I, I discovered my um, my love and passion of both the horse and the sport, and uh, and and as a young trainer, uh, you know I, I grew up um, you know teaching in, in you know pony club camps and, and and summer camps and that sort of thing. I've always been a coach, um, and uh, and and I, I found my passion pretty early on. But what I didn't find was was the key to helping all of my students. So I um, so I actually went to university and got a degree in. in in sports science, which is which is a little bit of physical education with a, a lot of knowledge added to it, um, so so the 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 the, uh, the foundation of that degree is sports psychology and kinesiology and and a, and a bunch of things that can help me to to help athletes you know sort of unlock their potential. And so what I did is I married together my love of the horse and the sport with my education in. Uh, sports psychology and um, booyah crackalack four books come out of me and uh, <laughs> here I am on the here I am with you and anyways um, underwhelming but um, but uh, but but pretty uh, pretty powerful at the same time so what we were going to ask you is your your latest book here bolder braver brighter um, you said you have a little story about it so uh, tell us about that so as as, um, as sort of a prequel to the, to this story I, I just I, I can't thank my publishers enough um, for 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 two or three people to to believe in somebody like me early on. Um, they published my first book in 2000. Um, it, it, it you know it, it's an honor and 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 a privilege. But um, but Trafalgar they just um, they're just a, a phenomenal um, phenomenal group of people. And uh, and 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 what they do do is is they they help me to behave and, and not color outside the lines and and I color <laughs> outside the lines a lot. Um, I don't think I'm I'm a really good rider, but I'm I don't think I'm a very good writer. <laughs> and, right. and I remember yeah. my first book, wow. I sent them the manuscript, and then the manuscript came back, but it was all red. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> but I sent it black, and it came back red, and they're like, "Those are your those are your spelling mistakes and your grammatical errors." And, and in the beginning, they, they, they put it on my lap and they said, you know, coach, if you, if you want to publish something, if you want to share your message, you, you need to make a bigger effort. So I, I sat through there and I, and I learned how to, I, I, you know, I learned how to write. But, um, but what they've done over the last couple of books, I've published four, 
is that they've kind of scaffolded. They, they, they've helped me along and, and they haven't just taught me how to be a better writer, but a better writer as, as well. And, and then it came to this fourth book and I, and I wrote this, what I thought was a brilliant book for them. And, and the book was called Braver, Brighter, Bolder. And then what I did is I, I, I wrote an entire book in that order. You know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to have one section on the book about being brave and one section on the book about being bright and, and then when all that comes together, you have a bold life. And they said, I think you've got it wrong. Don't you mean to have brighter at the end? Shouldn't it be bolder, braver, brighter? And, and they, had, they had misunderstood the title. They understood brighter to be your life will be brighter if you are bold and brave. And I had intended brighter as being smarter. You know, so when you are smart yeah. and bold, you become brave. And they said, I think you've got it wrong. I think you need to just change the three words in your title around. Well, of course, that made me rewrite the entire book because you can't write Start part one <laughs> yeah. referring to part. Yeah, you can't, you can't have part three referring to part one when part three is now part one. Um, you know, and I, I, I sat with their comment for a few days and I said, snap, they want me to rewrite the whole book so that we can put words different in a different order on the cover. And it was really clear they were right. They were, they were correct. I had it wrong. I, I wrote the book in the wrong order. And I rewrote the book because, because once again, they helped me to color inside the lines. They are, yeah. they are better. <laughs> they understand. And, and I do believe I have a lot of smart things to say, but, but, but they really did rein me in and, and help me to see that, uh, that their expertise will make me better. So uh, I can't tell you how much I appreciate the, the, um, the mentorship you know, and the guidance and the education that Trafalgar has, uh, has uh, bestowed on me. So tell us, I mean, you, you do so much work in so many clinics around the country. You, you, it's amazing how many you do. And tell us, what was the inspiration for this book? Why Bolder, Braver, Brighter? <laughs> no. Oh, here comes another completely <laughs> underwhelming story. Oh, the cheapest. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, so, so interesting too. So two stories. Um, I was teaching clinics in Alaska um, and I had, and I was very excited about it because, because I was going to go to Alaska. And for the first time um, I was taking my brand new book, Ride Right. Um, and, uh, and again, Trafalgar published just a brilliant book and, and, and I'm teaching in Alaska, but if I'm going to Alaska, I'm going to take my dad with me. <laughs> so, so dad comes with me and I teach for six days and we stay for 12 and enjoy each other. And, and, and while we were there, dad wrote, he, he read my book. He read Ride Right. And as we were driving back to the airport at the end of 12 days, he looked at me and he goes, so, so what's in your next book? And I said, no, this is it, dad. It was really hard to write. <laughs> it was a lot of time. And he said, you mean this is it? Like that's 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 all you've got to say? Like, and I I was slightly insulted. Like I remember driving, you know, through Alaska to the airport. I was I wanted to be insulted, but I wasn't because I think there was a message there. And he's like, I I don't think your story's told yet. I I, I just feels like it's not finished. And and it took me a little while to digest that. And and then and then I and then I I called you know. Martha and Carolina Trafalgar, and I said, do you think you might be willing to, to publish another book? And then they said, man, we were thinking the same thing. You know, um, uh, we, we love this message of empowerment. We have a lot of books about how to develop a strong hip, heel, and hand, but we need a few more books on developing a strong head and heart. And, 
And it was interesting. My second book came about because my father wasn't <laughs> completely happy with the first book. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Um, and then, and then for each of my other books, you know, Trafalgar, they'll, they'll, they'll email me once, once in a while. They go, coach, we love what you're doing, but we've reprinted this book three times. Um, it's time for a new one. You know, it's time for a new book. We can keep reprinting this one. We can keep, you know, we, we can sort of keep putting the same print in front of the same people, or, or you can just write another book because, because I'm pretty sure that they believe that the, you know, that the field of positive thinking and mental coaching and believing in yourself and never comparing yourself to others and overcoming fears and failures. I think that they understand that that subject is, I mean, it's, it's bottomless, man. Like there are so many skills. There are so many, there are so many things that we can do to overcome what we believe overcomes us. Yet um, we don't often see that. For example, this year I'm teaching 41 clinics in 55 days yet you know, weird enough, I never bump into anybody doing the same kind of clinics as me. You know, I bump into people teaching, you know, flying change and jump position and release and equitation and collection, extension, flexion. But I, I never really bump into other clinicians teaching psychology, the mental part of writing, you know, the part that, that can take our tears and fears away. So anyways, I, I believe Trafalgar understands that there's there, there's an endless, limitless, bottomless number of, of techniques that can help us to become more courageous and confident. And uh, and every now and then they send me that email that says, hey, coach, we've printed this book three times, ready for a new one? And I'm like, ah, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just I'm just sure that uh, th- throughout, you know, teaching all summer and and just being out there, you kind of figure out new ways to, to deliver uh, maybe the same old message or, you know, not that it's a, a boring message, but you have to, f- from myself and teaching and coaching, you know, it's it's always great to come up with a new way to deliver to someone new, you know, an inspiration. Uh, at the end of the day, may- maybe you feel like this, but but I do all the time. It's like, it's not about producing the perfect half pass or, you know, getting a 10 in the ring. I mean, so much about riding and and so and that's why I think it's so great for for kids is you know is it's just overcoming fears and striving towards goals and and getting knocked down and getting back up i mean that's these are life lessons these are not dressage specific lessons, and so we can never read enough about it or you know have enough information or you know just something maybe a little bit different said in a different way that's going to help us you know, th- throughout life and, and not just, uh, you know, um, horse specific things. That's why I think it's just, it's so great. Yeah. Yeah. W- w- well said. Um, and, and I have to believe that that's, that's somewhat of the power behind, you know, behind all of my books, you know, especially Boulder, Braver, Brighter, um, you know, and I, and I appreciate your comments because you, you, every time I teach a, a, a clinic and this isn't cliche, but every time I teach a clinic, I learn something from them. You know, and and at some point I'm going to have to start to pay my you know clinic participants rather than the <laughs> other way around having them pay me. But 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 they're you know I drive away every single day saying snap I have to remember to tell this to the next group meaning meaning I learned something today that can help the next group. You know, and, and going back to my you know story about my father, you know, yeah maybe maybe it's a book on sports psychology, maybe it's a book on mental coaching, maybe it's a book on becoming more confident and courageous. 
But every single day, it's like I learn a new way to deliver that message. And there should never, ever be an end to that message. You know, I mean, and I have to admit that that when, when you think about the majority of challenges that equestrians face, very little of them have to do with how open they can make of their shoulders or how deep they can put weight into their heels or how great their half pass is. The majority of struggles that we as equestrians face aren't below the years or between the years, aren't they? They're the, yeah. the fears and the failures and the and the, the upsets and the disappointments and the defeats and the dejection. And and if we can if we can accept those and if we can if we can identify those, um, see then we can move beyond them. But if we continue to focus on the hips and the heels and the hands and we ignore the head and the heart, then you know, I've always said that we put a ceiling on how high we can how high we can can go in our sport, and uh, and I suppose my my goal is to remove that ceiling, you know, to to allow the leg and the seat to allow you to achieve your your true success, um, simply because mistakes and failures or fears haven't interfered with that or placed a, a, a roof on your ability. So, um, you know, and you also mentioned something about the young rider and, 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 a, and a large focus of mine is to the young rider. Um, I, I do believe that, that if we can teach the young rider the message of empowerment and believing in yourself, never comparing yourselves to others, um, always believing that you're capable of overcoming mistakes or missed opportunities, fears or failures. If, if we can do that to the young rider, then that becomes their muscle memory, doesn't it? That becomes who they are. That becomes the fabric of what they build, and that becomes their story. But, but oftentimes with the adult rider, it's it's more like corrective medicine. And often, oftentimes with the adult rider, it's a little bit more complex, isn't it? To to break our inappropriate behaviors of overthinking, um, uh, feeling fear before you know before joy, and that sort of thing. Um, so with young riders, it's like, it's like, it's like corrective medicine, whereas with adult riders sometimes, or I apologize for young riders, it's like preventative medicine, whereas with adult riders, it's like corrective medicine. So both populations, the young and old, we can both learn to excel in our sport by becoming more confident and courageous, overcoming fears and failures. Um, but to each population, there's a, there's a different, um, there's a different you know, message or importance there. So, uh, yeah. So well said. Well, I appreciate that. And, and Dana, it's so true. I mean, I, I think Phil and I, you know, my, myself, I've had to do a lot of work with uh, sports psychologists and I mean, I, it, it's, it's a struggle for me. It has been since I was 16, you know, it's, it's, it's not, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I've been open about it at the, on, on the show. It's, it, this is a real part of riding. And as it doesn't matter if you're competing at a local level or you're competing, you know, at the international level, it, it, it is a struggle for everybody. And, um, so that's why, you, you know, it was so important for us that we chose your book because, um, both right. Phil and I feel very, very, uh, strongly that, it's it's something you have to work on. Mental fitness is is just like working on on your half passes, like you said, and 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 you know your challenges do change as you as you grow older. I mean, our challenges sure. even ten years ago when we started the show are very different than they are now. Um, so I love it. So you have a tip for us. So we're g- we're gonna throw you right into our our trainer tip of the week, <laughs> and we're gonna let you take it over. All right. So, so I think I've got a, a, a really cool tip. I think this is going to help. As a matter of fact, this can help everybody, young, old, uh, a, a beginner, advanced, uh, dressage or, um, or, or the eventer. So, so 
in, in order for any of us to, to achieve our potential, all of us must be in, in that individual zone of optimal functioning called the zone. The idea of being in the zone is, is important because in the zone, pressure does not exist. Um, failure or fears do not exist. So in order for any of us to achieve our true potential, we must find ourselves the ability to, to, to enter into the zone. Um, now, it's important for us to understand, in, in order for us to achieve the zone, we must all create in our minds what is called a flow state. So, so the flow state, for, for those of you who don't know what it is, that is the absence of analysis paralysis, that is the absence of worrying and overthinking. The flow state is when your mind just works automatically and naturally, unforced. Let's connect the dots. In order to get into the zone, you need a flow state. But in order to get a flow state, your brain needs to latch on to a rhythm because the, the flow is a rhythm, is a harmony, is a beat. If you think about what a flow is, the ebb and flow, the waves, um, that requires rhythm and rhyme. So, so here's my tip to get into the zone where fears and failures no longer derail your train of thought. To get into the zone, we need the flow state. But to get the flow state, we need a rhythm. And one of the best ways to create the rhythm is by coming up with what I like to call a mojo mantra, because when we get out of the zone, we lose our mojo and all of a sudden our confidence and our courage goes away because we're starting to wonder and wish and why, uh, uh, wonder why we're, we're letting things slip away. So, so what's a mojo mantra? A mojo mantra is, is a, it's a series of words that is, is delivered in a rhythmical way. Um, and it's important for us to understand that rhythm and rhyme um, actually fire the, the calmness center in our brains and help us to enter the flow state, which puts us into the zone. So there are kind of two rules when it comes to creating the mojo mantra. First is it has to have rhythm and rhyme. And second, it um, should differ, it should deliver a, a, a message based on how we should behave. You know, I even lose myself when I say that. It's so confusing. So let me give you a couple examples of mojo mantras. Here we go. Um, push on, finish strong. Push on, finish strong. Push on, finish strong. I can do it, nothing to it. I can do it, nothing to it. I can do it, nothing to it. Rest of the ride, best of the ride. Rest of the ride, best of the ride. Keep calm, ride on. Keep calm, ride on. So, so can you hear those four, those four statements? They're delivered repetitively, but, but I'm, I'm being conscious of delivering them in in a rhythmical way. Okay. Let's connect the dots. In order to get into the zone, you need a flow state. In order to get the flow state, you need, your brain needs to latch onto rhythm and rhyme. We can create that flow state by delivering self-directed messages with rhythm and rhyme. But these are called behavior-directed mojo mantras because they actually deliver the message based on how you should behave at that particular moment. So, so let's say, for example, and I'm, I'm an eventer, let's say that, that and, and one thing that used to really derail my train of thought is when I would jump a fence, I'd hear the hard rub, and then I'd hear the fence hit the ground behind me. You know, as a young rider, I would focus on the problem in the past, even though I knew I should stay locked on the positive in the present. But I would get upset. I'd be disappointed. I'd be frustrated. But what I do now is this. When I jump, I hear the hard rub, and I hear the rail hit the ground behind me. I immediately say, Rest of the ride, best of the ride, rest of the ride, best of the ride, rest of the ride, best of the ride. So so understand what's happening here. 
I've become mindful that my brain typically goes dark at that moment. I focus on the problem in the past, but I know to be my best, I need to stay focused on the positive in the present. I need to be in the zone, but that rail on the ground is going to try and suck me out of that zone. So I'm going to fight to get back in there. And I do that by creating the flow state, by creating a rhythmical mojo mantra. See, rest of the ride, best of the ride. That tells me how to act, doesn't it? That tells me what to do. The words literally tell me what to do, but it's delivered with rhythm and rhyme that stimulates the calmness center in our brain, but also creates the flow state that puts me into the zone where pressure, anxiety, frustration, and disappointment no longer exist. I know when that rail hits the ground that it has the ability to pull me out of the zone, pull me out of being my best or put a roof on my perfection or my, my potential. But I'm mindful of it. I no longer let that happen. I've now created a, a predefined mojo mantra. When I encounter a challenge, a disappointment, a defeat, a, a fear, a frustration, I automatically repeat the mojo mantra with rhythm and rhyme because it tells me what I can do right now and how to get into the zone. So my tip would be for everybody, identify who you are, identify which challenge seems to derail your focus, seems to, seems to throw you under the bus the quickest. Identify what that is, own it, accept it, it's part of you. We participate in a sport that doesn't permit perfection. It's going to happen. But when it does, arm yourself with a mojo mantra, something, some behavior, some, some advice, piece of advice from you to yourself yet is delivered in a rhythmical way because the advice tells you what to do and the rhythmical way puts you into the zone where fears and frustration and disappointments no longer interfere with you. So it could be Daniel, rest of yeah. the ride, best of the ride. It could be, yeah. it could push on, finish strong, but it's so helpful. It's, it's so silly. It should be more complex. I should give you more complex Maybe it maybe a, a maybe a tip with more syllables or bigger words, but no. Rhythm and rhyme mantra, it'll save you. It'll save you from yourself. <laughs> this has been great. It's a I mean, that's a wonderful, great tip. Um, I think people will get a lot out of that and they will get a lot out of your book, I'm sure of it. Um so so give it give it give us the title again and uh let, let us know where everybody can can get the book and, and, and how to contact you if, if they needed to. Perfect. If I could, I'd like to tell you what's on the front of the book and the back of the book. <laughs> yeah. The front of the book, the title is Bolder, Braver, Brighter, but the back of the book is this brilliant photo of a rider who's just loving life, and it says, the secret to having it all is knowing you already do. Our talent, our skill, our potential is inside us. We just need to believe it. We need to believe that what's inside us is enough. We just need to bring that greatness out. So the secret to having it all is knowing you already do. It's not like you need to go look for it anywhere else. It's already inside. So um, the fact that, that Trafalgar Square put that on the back cover, and, and that's it, isn't it? That's the drop the mic moment. That's the aha moment. The secret to having it all is knowing you already do. You just need to you need to believe in it. And I hope that the words and the and the photos and the cartoons and the fill in the blanks and the pages in my book, Bolder, Braver, and Brighter, will help you to to truly believe that and understand that what's inside you deserves to be brought out. My only goal is to bring your greatness out. And Travago's got a beautiful website. It's Horse and Rider Books. Y'all can hit up their website and and order that book. They they um, they ship books all over the world. Uh, you can also order it. Um, is a direct download right onto your onto your device. Nothing prettier than a book full of pictures 
coming across on your tablet with that shiny screen. I And my website is Pressure Proof Academy. My third book, I'm sorry, my second book published by um, Trafalgar Square was called Pressure Proof, another equestrian sports psychology book. So my website is Pressure Proof Academy. Everybody can find out about my clinics and my YouTube program and my instructor certification course and all of that at Pressure Proof Academy. But, uh, but this book lives at, at horse and rider, or, I'm sorry, horseandriderbooks.com. And that's the best place to get it for sure. Fantastic. Well, Daniel, thank you so much. And we look forward to having you back on again. This has been amazing. Thanks, guys. I love talking to you. Really loved it. <laughs> Thanks so much. <laughs> Well, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. Uh, it really brightens our day when we hear from, from you guys. So keep them coming. The United States Dressage Federation is your connection to dressage education, competition, and achievement. Visit usdf.org for more information. That's www.usdf.org, the online destination for dressage. You can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com, and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook, or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the Auditor Program found at www.horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we'll talk to you next week. 